Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. It's Independence Day, so it's appropriate to ask ourselves, what is freedom? What does human flourishing look like? Well, according to the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the answer to both of these questions is to love God and to love neighbor. It's also what we just saw in the reading from the Collect of the Day. In the Gospel of Mark, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself is the greatest of all commandments. In Luke... We love God and we love our peers in order to have life. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says that all of the law and the prophets, that means all of the Old Testament, can be be summarized in a simple word. You already know it. Love God. Love neighbor. So, the greatest commandment, what it means to have life, and the summary of all of the Old Testament. Now, when I first read these words as a teenager, I, I was overjoyed. I thought that, well, this is easy. I grew up Jewish, as many of you know, and we, if you know the Old Testament, you know we've got a lot of laws, we've got a lot of rules. And so I thought to myself, this is way better than the Old Testament. We've only got two. How hard could that be? Well, it turns out it's actually pretty difficult. I mean, think about all that's gone wrong in the world. The poverty, the racism, the human exploitation. All of it involves the breaking of these two commandments. More existentially satisfying, think of all that's been done wrong to you. The lies, betrayal, the manipulation, you fill in the blank. None of it would have occurred if those closest to you and me would have loved. And this is why I love that the Colic for Proper Nine does not pretend that loving God and loving our peers are easy tasks. We see this in our ask that we just made. Again, be on page three. In our ask, we petition for the grace, that is, the gift of the Holy Spirit, so that we might love. What this means is that the author of the Collect understood the gravity of the commandment. We are unable to love well of our own volition. So in this prayer, we pray that God would give us the very love that we can bestow upon others. We pray that he would give us love that involves our whole heart and pure affection. So, on the one hand, we're acknowledging that we can't perform what at one point I felt was pretty simple. And it tells us this by showing us that what's required of us is is actually even greater than what I once thought of when I was reading the Old Testament. It's greater than the demand that was placed upon me as a Jew, 
as our rector, who some of you have come since he's been on sabbatical, so some of you don't even know him, as, as Jacob Smith loves to say, this is Jesus raising the law to its highest pitch. And this means that all of those signs out there that you and I see, have you seen it? It's the, the 787 coffee sign. It costs zero dollars and zero cents to be kind. In one aspect, that's entirely a lie. It's incredibly hard to be kind. It's incredibly hard to love with a pure affection. So in this prayer, we're acknowledging our inability. But we're praying that the God who authored this law in the first place, the God who fulfilled it on our behalf in Jesus Christ, that that same God would also birth it in us, would engender it in us. So when you think about it, my friends, this prayer is gospel. This prayer is good news because when we find that we're simply no good at loving God or loving our peers with our whole hearts, we're reminded that we have nothing to fear. That as the good hymn tells us, Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. But it's also good news because in this prayer lies a promise. It's not just a good news past tense for our inability to love in the past. It's also good news for the future. Because in this prayer lies a promise. In this prayer lies a declaration that you and I will one day be no longer divided. That we will no longer be tortured. To be or not to be, right, William Shakespeare says. And that's so true for all of us. All of us, even at our best, are oftentimes tortured. Even in our purest moments, we're of mixed motives. We're using people. We're treating people as not ends, but means. And this is true even for the people who we love the most. So the second promise of this prayer is that all that's gone wrong in the world, all that's been done wrong to you, and all that you and I have done wrong to others will one day become undone and even no more. That's good news, friends. Only that's not all. So this isn't just about past tense. This isn't just about one day we will experience the love that is pure affection for our neighbor. This prayer, the promise of this prayer, is also about right now. This prayer is a prayer to be devoted to God with our whole hearts and to love with pure affection in the here and now. And I don't know about you, but I'm dying to experience at least a measure of this love right now. Or at least I want to want to love because deep down I know that this is what freedom, this is what human flourishing really looks like. And I think that you do too. So my friends, when you and I, by the power of God, have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. At baptism, so it's past tense, 
but also we're continually given the gift of the Holy Spirit. This means that at some level, the content of our prayer, this ask to be wholly devoted to God, to have pure affection for our neighbor, has already been declared over us. It's already true of us. This is the concept, maybe you're familiar with it, maybe you're not, the Christian theological concept of imputation. Imputation. Jesus declares us righteous or virtuous by nature of what he's done for us. And that means we're righteous even though we keep on screwing up, even though we don't feel it all the time. So just as in the beginning God says, let there be light, and there is light, when God says that you and I are righteous, that means we are. What this means is we're not just made right with God by faith, but we are being made right with God by faith. We are justified by faith, and we are sanctified by, the, by faith. And the good news, the third aspect of the good news, is that we can appropriate this upon ourselves. We can vo vocalize this imputation on ourselves. How does this make sense? Well, let me, let me give you a picture. I've been recently re-watching uh, The West Wing. I don't know if any of you guys watched that, the show from 20 years ago. So if I'm spoiling this for you, it's been 20 years. Come on now. But if you watched it, you remember. Martin Sheen's the president. John Spencer is the White House chief of staff. And it, it's, episode, it's season two, episode one, in case you're dying to watch this. But it's a flashback episode before Martin Sheen, Josiah Bartlett, is president. And in the scene, he's a, he's a candidate in a close race. He's a governor at this point. And his close advisor, Spencer, has just fired all the campaign staff. Nothing is going according to plan. It doesn't look like he's going to make it very far at all. And in the episode, Martin Sheen, the president, he's so insecure, he's so unready to become president, to really run, that uh, at the end of the episode they have this back and forth, and it goes like this. Spencer, who has been to AA, he's speaking into the president's life, or the not yet president, says... They say a good man can't be elected president. I don't believe that. Do you? And Sheen, just in his insecure moment, says, and, and you think I'm that man? And Spencer says, yes. And he says, does it matter that I'm not sure? Spencer says, no. Act as if ye have faith, and faith shall be given to you. Or put it another way, for all of you in AA who know about this, fake it till you make it. And he goes on to say, this is the time of Jed Bartley, old friend. You're going to open your mouth and lift houses off the ground, whole houses clear off the ground. And you can see this has had its way with Martin Sheen's character. You can see he's been changed in that minute. You can see as the episode progresses that he becomes ready, that he has been imputed with something outside of himself that isn't his, but it becomes his because it has been declared 
over him. And so at the end of this episode, we overhear Josiah Bartlett saying, I am Josiah Bartlett, and I accept your nomination to be the President of the United States of America. My friends, you see this kind of things in movies everywhere. You see this kind of thing in a, you know, graffiti that says, you are beautiful. When you don't feel it, this is imputing it to you. And that's what this prayer is doing. And that's what the gospel is. The good news of this prayer and these verses is threefold. It's that we have been forgiven for not loving. It's that there will be a day when we will no longer be divided, but we will love with a pure affection. And finally, we can trust the promise even today that we have been gifted love, that you are Josiah Bartlett, and you receive the nomination for president. You and I have been declared righteous and loving. And what this means is that whatever insecurities you bring with yourself this morning, however tortured you are, no matter how unready you may be, no matter how far we may feel from this love, you and I can declare it over ourselves. For though every other person be a liar, Christ is no liar. And this is what he has declared over you, that you and I might love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.